Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Treehouse with Danny Baker and me, Louise Pepper. Show two, Saps Rising. The world turned upside down. The world turned upside down. Good morning, everybody. Uh, so, um, uh, if this is the second show. Mm-hmm. The first one was a demo. <laughs> this is very much... We're going to do a pilot in a couple of months. Yeah. In the meantime, we'll keep making them to get the uh, pilot uh, together. And uh, if, if you didn't hear the, uh, uh, the very first one, then uh, you can, uh, if via our Twitter feed... Uh, you can send off the 277-page manual, which will bring you up to speed yeah. to where we are. But yeah. a, ve- a very uh, good morning to everybody. As we say, it's the world turned upside down, which could not be more apposite, uh, as we recalled today. Uh-huh. And this is the uh, 29th. And whenever you're listening to this, this is the 29th. And uh, 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 it's, it's the birthday of Jonathan Swift. Oh, OK, of, of Gulliver's Travels. Do you know the actual title of Gulliver's Travels? It's Gulliver's Travels. Oh, no, it's not, because, <laughs> as we know rather wonderfully, uh, in the 18th century, and certainly the 17th and even 16th century, one title wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're following that. And we're, but you know, Gulliver... Yes, we are, we are indeed. But Gulliver's Travels, of course, isn't just called Gulliver's Travels. Ladies and gentlemen, here on the birthday of Jonathan Swift... The actual title of Gulliver's Travels is, and this is, anyway, Gulliver's Travels, or Travels into Several Remote Nations of the World in Four Parts by Lemuel Gulliver, first a surgeon and then a captain of several ships. That is the full title. That's the blurb on the back of the book, normally. (laughs) How big the spine had to be to carry that. (laughs) But also, he used the word several twice there. And he was a fearsome oh. character, Swift, but I sus- suspect his editor didn't want to say, do you want to... There's two severals there. That's the rhythm of the thing. Maybe. That is the rhythm of the thing. So uh, here we all meet with the world turned upside down. And, and while we're doing, we'll start the show properly. And thank you so much. And I mean that. <laughs> I would have to say that. Sorry. Sorry, I mean that sincerely, folks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm channeling <laughs> Huey Green, but, um, uh, the most foul-mouthed man I ever met, but that's another story for another day. Uh, so um, the lands he visits, uh-huh. Gulliver? Uh, li- Lilliput. Of course Lilliput. Everyone. See, uh, Lilliput gets all the heat. Yeah. The book, is, as we know, is, as long, is longer than the title. And uh, it just doesn't go to Lilliput. Everyone's shouting one at you right now. The one with all the giants? Yes, yes. A uh, 72-foot person finds him, and they, they build Gulliver a house that they carry around like a box, and he lives in this box, which is his house, and they carry it around. But what is the name of the land? I, uh, I haven't a clue. Bromdingneg. 
Oh, okay. Bro- didn't know, didn't know Bromdingneg? No, oh, that's the Bromdingneg's the one. Okay. You, know, you, you can always look down Lilliput your... Lilliput is my... No, uh... that's the one you look down your lawn yet. Everyone knows Lilliput. But not just... You didn't just go to Bromdingneg. Okay, where well, else? Well. Laputa. Oh. Balmy Barbie. Lugnag. Glub Dub Drib. And Japan. <laughs> Honestly, the last place he goes is Japan. I can't believe you haven't used more of these. Well, it's, it's sparingly, and uh, it, it's in um, glub dib, glib glub drib. Gub. I know. And so get the manual, 277 pages. <laughs> it's free. Uh, uh, it's, it's as big as Gulliver's Travels, but it'll tell you how the show works. And he meets, of course, the Hoonims, the talking horses, which are owned by the Yahoos. Which oh, is why we say the that. Yahoos. Yeah, okay, fair they're enough. A, a rather uh, boisterous uh, uh, gang together. What are we doing? this morning, Peps. Uh, topic number one, scaring yourself silly. Scaring yourself silly. We've had some belters on that over the years. Probably number one, the woman who heard, uh, it's changed the music, uh, she heard from upstairs. She was in on her own. And let me see if we can actually do a, <laughs> we've turned into Orson Welles' uh, Mercury Theatre now. Uh, I'm doing my own sound effects. She was indoors mm-hmm. and nobody in. And she heard That was something. That was something. And then there's... Oh, oh, okay, so, hello? And went out to the stairs. Hello? And she thought it came from the room directly above, which was her bathroom. She thought, do I make a call? What do I do? She went upstairs to the bathroom and tried to open the door and couldn't. <gasps> something was behind it. And so she did then go downstairs and make a call uh, to a, a, a brother, I believe it was, who came over and went... I can't open the bathroom door. I heard something up there. And he went up there and uh, he came downstairs. It's fine. Uh, the hook you've put up to hold your dressing gown was obviously not, not secured enough. It was, it, it was your dressing gown and several things falling out and they're, they're stopping the door from opening. Ah, but that is scaring yourself silly. So that's number one we're doing. What else are we doing, Peps? Number two, famous clothing you have worn. Famous clothing you've worn. Uh, I'll give an instance of that later on, but some, we've already got a clear winner in that. Number three, inadvertent theft. Yep. Uh, you, didn't, you ever thefted anything by inadvertently? Um, <laughs> by inadvertently. Uh, no, I did do a, a whole... Um, uh, I know you talk about your mates used to deliberately do a runner from a oh, restaurant. Oh, that's, that's another subject for another time uh, doing no. runners. No, well, that, I inadvertently did one of those. Went out for dinner with a friend, spent a whole afternoon. Lunch turned into dinner, and then we both went home, and on the train home he texted me and said, did you pay? <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> both of us had just strolled on out. At the Elephant and Castle, um, years, well, this is how long ago it was, a thing like a bespoke pizza parlour wasn't known, and this pizza parlour opened at the Elephant and Castle in London, and uh, uh, it wasn't. You, there was very few, even mm. Pizza Expresses. There wasn't that, and this pizza. Ooh. And so, of course, uh, me and my mates all went there. We got to get a table. We got one. And um, I used to hate it when my mates gave that look over the table at the end of the meal. Uh, my daughter Mance is in the studio right now. You wouldn't know that you, your friends don't do this, but it's, it was a very, before Nintendo. You had to make your own amusement, <laughs> and so uh, they were all in there, and it was good. You know, it's mm. fancy. And the year before, they asked you if you can give the table back in an hour. <laughs> yes, I'll give the table back in an hour if you'll give me the money back ten minutes after that. Uh, so, um, and they all had that look. Should we? And oh. I said, oh, don't, no, we can't come back. And, and they all got up and ran out. But as one of my friends was passing the... I, I didn't, I sat at the table. I promise you this, I was never any good at that. 
And as my one of my friends was running past the counter, which was by the front door where the big ovens were, oh. the fellow withdrew his great big one, that great big uh, uh, pizza slice thing. Yeah. Oh, the paddle. The yeah. big pizza paddle, and he clonked him on the head with it. Bang! <laughs> and just like in a cartoon, my friend, the the outline around my friend's body <laughs> got all lines in, and, and his knees went. He clonked him flat on the head with, as you quite rightly say, the pizza paddle. <laughs> Don't talk to me about runners. Anyway, um, sorry, Pat. Well, number four, don't talk to me about horses. Don't talk to me about horses. We've got a couple of things on those. If you don't, and there's going to be over the weeks loads of don't talk to me about. And still hanging around, of course, first worry as a child. Well, it's not hanging around. Well, it's they taste a perfect little drink. You're giving that the mark of Cain, haven't you? <laughs> uh, uh, but when we last left you, uh, we uh, this was the subject of uh, worries you had as a child, mm-hmm. as I say, and uh, still hanging around. Uh, but we were on, on the lip, the, the, the precipice, oh, the, 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 the yes. verge, as some say, of reading a story from Katie in Cambridgeshire mm-hmm. about her worry as a child. And here we go. So, <clears throat> so we go. This is particularly relevant, she says, this subject, whereas you had as a child, as I only fessed up to my partner about it a week ago. He's not really let me forget it. So why not invite further ridicule by sharing <laughs> it with your audience? And here is my worry. Hang on. Let me get the right music here. Good. Here is my worry. When I was four, I was worried that I might be Jesus Christ. This is true, isn't it? I thought I might be Jesus. I was aware that Jesus was meant to be reborn and hoped with all my might that it wasn't me, but how would I know? Who would tell me? The prospect of an angel turning up on me was terrifying. I was quite shy. The prospect of public speaking, well, that was out of the question. What would I say? I was only four. My worldly wisdom was well, reasonably limited. And then there was the whole problem of, well, me being a girl. Shouldn't Jesus have been a boy? Is that what was supposed to happen? Actually, was I the Jesus in a previous incarnation? Was I God? <laughs> this was my worry as a child. Coming from a non-religious family, I've no idea where this notion came from, but it was fairly all-consuming for some time. Imagine the worry if I had actually been touched by a sunbeam at some point. I'm now 54. Can I announce I am not Jesus? <laughs> Having said that, I feel I can breathe easy. Katie, spreading goodness around Cambridge and out. Katie. How does she? I know. Katie, <laughs> I hate... The world is full of people claiming to be Jesus. You say, I am not. And and that's in the life of Brian, I believe. It's in the life of Brian where he says, well, you would say that. Well, how can I win then? But uh, Katie has the most terrible and real worry that she's, in fact, Jesus. Now, that remains open. If you want to tell us your childhood worries, we certainly would uh, love to hear from you. We've got a couple of calls this morning. The show spreads before us like a great shoe with its lights on. And I mustn't, mustn't forget to tell you... Peps, mm-hmm. but, um, um, we still own part of America, really. Oh, okay. You think the War of Independence, and oh. it was Thanksgiving Day this week. We do own it, and it's such an incredible story. I, I, last night when I was reading in bed from the bathroom reader, font of all knowledge. How I, very Thanksgiving of you. Well, there you go. How my, my eyes started from my head, and I said the word golly. It is a most extraordinary story. Uh, what you got over there, Peps? Um, we must remember as well, we're, we're allocating saps, so we've only got one so far. 
We have, have a tradition of this. Mm. We have a tradition of starting things we never finish. Uh, let me put that another way. I have a tradition of starting things. <laughs> Remember the cat and dog Super Bowl? Have you ever heard about that? <laughs> no, that wasn't in my time. I used to... Oh, because we will start okay. the show. I used to do a thing... Uh, and knockout competitions for no reason. Mm. Uh, we did a great one with them. Uh, uh, like I'd say, today we're playing goldfish against uh, goats, and people were ringing me good goldfish stories and good goat stories. And uh, at the end, of it, we'd announce a winner. I thought I'd broaden this to a 256 entrant cats and dogs. We'd have equal number of cats, equal number of dogs. Well, it was it. It, it took over most of the show. <laughs> And it took over most of the next day's show until Julia, who was my present, uh, producer at the time, said, might want to give that a rest for a couple of days. But the amount of people who said, hang on, what's happened to the cat and dog <laughs> Super Bowl? It remains in limbo. What you got there, Pet? So this is from Anthony in Dublin. Mm-hmm. On the subject of famous clothing you have worn, let me throw my hat into the ring. It's 1973 in wintry Torbay in South Devon. My dad was, at the time, the local Trinity House pilot, whose job it was to go out in a small pilot boat and meet the large incoming ships in the English Channel and then guide them safely into port or to an anchorage. On this occasion, he was called upon to advise the skipper of a large cruise ship that was being used by a film company to shoot some scenes of a movie. They just sailed in circles all day and then went into anchor for the night. One of the stars of the film being made is... Yeah. Juggernaut. One of the stars of the film being made, Juggernaut, was the legendary Richard Harris. Coincidentally, a hero of my father's. One evening, the pilot boat was bringing Mr Harris and some others ashore to raise some hell in the heady metropolis of Torquay. I got off the boat and as my dad was heading home, realised Richard Harris had left a full-length real fur coat in the boat. So, of course, he brought it home and rang the production office. They said they'd send someone round to pick it up. In the meantime, we all tried it on. Swanning around the front room in an enormous coat, I was 15 at the time and tripping over the bottom of it. How fantastic. I put my hands in the pockets and pulled out what I can only describe as a stash of pills. Oh. My dad straight away told me it's medicine and quickly took the coat off me. The doorbell then rang to reveal a driver from the film company, an enormous American who gratefully took the coat and said in a low growl, I assume nobody here has gone through the po- pockets of the coat, sir. Oh. No, said Dad. Oh, that's very good, sir. Have a great night. And he was gone, and that is my story. That's a wonderful thing. The subject being, what famous clothing have you worn, of course? Of course you'd walk around in uh, Richard, Richard Harris's... Harris's full-length fur coat. I, uh, I've the... worn Peter O'Toole's fedora. Oh. oh I've worn Peter O'Toole. The, the best we ever had on this, and don't let's intimidate you, if you want to... The slighter, the better, usually. But again, uh, I think it was on our, uh, the show we did, Peps, uh, the person who was uh, dead made all the clothes, uh, all the uh, dressed all the mannequins at Madden to Swords. Yes. And his dad made all the uh, clothes for them. But after a while, they would ask the subjects to donate their own clothes for authenticity because obviously the mannequins at Madden to Swords are absolutely uh, perfect. And the list of things that he's worn, uh, the list, I think he's worn... Uh, Alfred Hitchcock's vest. Oh. Under vest, sir. And, 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 and that's plenty there. We, who's on the line for us here? Who's, who, who's uh, uh, tugging our coat this time in the morning? And it's very good of people. It's uh, our friend Dave. Hey, Dave. 
Ahoy hoy, Danny. Ahoy hoy, Dave. Thank you very much indeed See for being with us, my friend. Cl- climb aboard the uh, treehouse. Uh, what, uh, what are you tugging our coat for, Dave? What's the story? Uh, my story is about being held at gunpoint in America. Hooray! Mistakenly. Oh, I've not done inadvertent terror yet, but it sounds like a good. <laughs> it sounds like a good one. Go on, my friend. What, what's the story? Well, I was uh, doing a teaching exchange in in uh, Denver, uh-huh. um, and was living in a. A log cabin in the woods and the Rockies, in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. How while beautiful. The, while the other teacher was in a, a, a terraced house in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. So, uh, fair <laughs> enough. That's I, a, I thought I got the better end of the deal. Uh-huh. And we were told that one of the uh, places to see in Colorado uh-huh. was the Air Force Academy at uh, Colorado Springs, uh-huh. which is a beautiful building. And in those days, we're talking about 1986 now, mm-hmm. you could literally drive up to the gate. Um, they'd check it, quick look at you and then say, yeah, come on in, have a look. And it was a very impressive place, so uh, decided to go to the gift shop, because mm-hmm. everyone has a gift shop, get a T-shirt to, to uh, sort of commemorate the occasion. I'm just going to stop you there, Dave. Um, uh, yep. The most extraordinary gift shop, to my knowledge, and your one is quite rarefied, if you go to the uh, L.A. morgue, the morgue in L.A., sir, the morgue in L.A. has a gift shop. And you can, and Dave, you can buy your own toe tags there. You can buy toe tags and you can sit indoors, put it around your big toe and just look down and say, that's what it's going to look like. They have a gift shop at the L.A. morgue. Continue, my friend. Continue. So having, having paid quite legally for the, the T-shirt, we looked for the exit and saw a door just behind the, uh, the cash register, mm-hmm. uh, opened the door, walked out, and immediately a voice, a deep voice, said, hold it right there, sir. Uh, I, I stopped, obviously, um, and uh, I looked, and in front of me there were two of the black and white squad cars, doors open, uh-huh. these squad cars. Each had a, a policeman behind it with a rifle, uh-huh. pointed at me, myself and my wife, and the chap in the middle with his revolver. So I this held is, it this, right this, there. This seems very, very heavy-handed. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it did. It. Um, I, I, I didn't move a muscle. I uh-huh. whispered to my to my wife, "Whatever you do, don't put any hand in your pocket. Don't move anything." I've never been as still in my life. Mm-hmm. And after what seemed like an absolute eternity, um, suddenly there was a lot of sort of uh, to and froing on. Well, it's walkie-talkies then. There weren't mobile phones at the, at the time. Not that we're being used mm-hmm. then. Um, Suddenly, the voice said, uh, "Thank you, sir. You can go now." Uh, and but, I obviously did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but asked, uh, went to the gift shop and said, "What? What was going on there?" Um, and the very kind lady said, "Oh, I'm so sorry." She said, "We we were supposed to have a security drill this morning with the local police force. Yeah. Um, we we were short staff and called it off, but I don't think anybody told the police." <laughs> So they they thought it was all part of some you were some kind of plant some kind of gang. They they, they 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 were doing a security drill at which they were supposed to stop anybody coming out of this back entrance. I hate to say this, but things coming out of the back entrance may have exactly what was happening. <laughs> it was a gift. It was lying there. I'm sorry. But and how long were you held at gunpoint in total? It thing? seemed like about you know 20 minutes. It was probably about 20 seconds, but it but it just seemed like an eternity. <laughs> Yeah. Stood 
absolutely stock still looking down the barrel of a gun, as they say, well, the literally. Fir- the first time I went to New York um, uh, with my wife, and, and I'd been telling her our great new... I used to work for the NME, the New Musical Express, and I was in New York quite a bit, and Wendy and I went, and we were actually in Florida with Earth, Wind and & Fire, and I said, we'll go back via New York, we'll go back via New York, because uh, you're going to love it. Uh, and we were coming in that famous as you come over the bridge and there's New York there. And I promise, she said, it's not as violent as it is. I said, oh, no, no, take no notice. You know, it's no worse than Deptford. Uh, and, and as we were coming over, over the cab radio, a policeman, cabbie, keep moving. Don't look round. Don't look round. Keep going, cabbie. <laughs> and we looked behind and the police car was right behind us. I promise this is true. Cabbie, keep going. Now get faster. Catch up with the coupe in front. Catch up. And gunshots started getting fired. We sat in the back. This is true. We sat on the floor in the back of the cab while gunplay went on. So don't, don't talk to me about your drills, Dave. Anyway. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. No, that's a bit weak. No, not at all. No, Dave. <laughs> I, I, I simply am um, playing top trumps with great stories. Thank you very much, our friend Dave. <laughs> Can I just say, Danny, just before I go, I've listened a long time to you. I was also the person who wrote in about pop stars on your doorstep. Go when, on. The, when a friend of mine had opened the door to the scaffold. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Tell us why. Tell us why. She, she, the scaffold were on she, the... Sorry to go off the subject, but... Uh, <laughs> no, she, there, is, um, there is no well, subject. Go on. <laughs> long-time fan she was, and yeah. uh, literally the, the door was knocked, um, opened it by her husband, and uh, there were all three members of the scaffold saying... It was early 60s. They were saying, could we possibly come in and watch your TV? Yeah, we're on yeah. top of the pops very shortly, and, and we're on the way to a, a, a gig, but we, yeah. we can't see it. So he said, yes, come on in. And she came down, sort of herring curlers. She's just had a bath. See her favourite pop stars sitting there on the sofa waiting to watch themselves on top of the pop. Isn't that... We, we had Mike McGear, Mike McCartney, on the show uh, about a year ago, and I, I, yeah. I, sh- I should have confronted him with that. He might have turned around and said, ain't that old liar Dave ringing you up, is it? I, I, <laughs> no, no, Dave, I'm sorry. I'm, no, no, ringing, I'm hamming it up again. I think, as, I think, as I told you, it's actually in um, Roger McGough's autobiography as well, but she did tell me well, before I read it. Well, bless you, my friend. Thank you for two absolute bonuses there. They were both superb. There's our friend Dan. It's, it's Dan, a, I'm so pleased to have you back well, uh, on, on my journeys in the morning. Well, well thank you. You know, I, um, I'm always... Yeah, you'll I get, appreciate you'll, it. I get uncomfortable with get, that. Yeah. That may be edited. Yeah, no. that, that may blushing, be edited Dave. out. He's blushing, Dave. He's blushing. Thank fine. you, Dave. Bless you. Thank Keep you very up, much. Uh, here we go. So, uh, uh, yes, that's, uh, there it is. That's actually on Easy Street. If people want to ring up and start reeling off stories, uh, <laughs> perhaps then I can sit here and have a smoke. You have a greatest hit. Yeah, there's uh, a story I was going to tell you. If you've not heard this book, this is it. We ain't building to anything here, by the way. This show just unravels like this as we go. Uh, here's something. And, and, you know, I'm the eye that never sleeps. There's no off position on the genius switch, as you know, perhaps. Uh, and I write down things as we go, and I've always done this. Uh, and it's not just, hey, happy birthday to Madonna. There's no point doing that. Phil Gilbert, you know, I like this. Phil Gilbert's birthday. Who's Phil Gilbert? That's, that's why me and Pep's been working like this for ages. Uh, in Vicksburg, Mississippi, in 1884, 1884 on right. this day, Phil Gilbert, who owned a shoe shop, was the very first person to sell a box as a pair, left and right. Before that, people didn't do it. Now, doesn't that seem... Doesn't that, not, that doesn't seem Dragon's Den to me. Well, what, what were they doing before? Exactly. Exactly. 1884, uh, on November the 29th, the first time somebody put a left and a right shoe in a box and sold them. Exactly. 
Because I know people, you know, they, they had shoes repaired rather more frequently than we do now. You know, you had your good shoes and your bad shoes and that was that. Yeah. But, but the rich people must have gone out and bought a new pair of shoes very they, frequently. They must have noticed. A f- well, I think the shoes were... um. You just go, I fancy a left one this week. No, but they, they, were, they were just sort of round, like little coracles you put on your feet. Oh, I don't, I don't think they were shaped. But you wouldn't have... Mind you... Uh, are, we, are you saying even further that he invented the left shoe and the right shoe? It looks like he did. Phil Gilbert, Vicksburg, Mississippi. He... See, his thing. Uh, it, it, we may have got too cocky with our purchase of shoes. Mm-hmm. Let that sink in. Uh, uh, because it would be something to go into a shop and say, excuse me, have you got a right one of these? And they sell you individual shoes. Nobody does that. That's something. Well, because with, with your with your beautiful um, pink suede Thank and you. your your if, if, you. if some some drink fell upon your left pink suede shoe and you could just have to replace the well, left that, one, that, that, that would be a bonus, that's, that's would why it I not? Only, only wear them on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> show shoe. But, uh, but, uh, uh, I'd but like to buy them truth. in different sizes because my left foot's bigger than my right foot. That would be lovely. Uh, and is it really? Mm. Your left foot is bigger than a whole right. half size. Is it? Yes. How does that happen in shops then? What, what do you? What do you? Well, like, the, the right foot normally I have to have an insole. <laughs> it's a very it, uh, uh, the, the show is we, we don't ever get we're not topical we're not not playing to tell that edgy or anything like that it's our promise to you we're, uh, we we never have any substance ever uh, but I will say this and this is contentious in this day and age uh, uh, one of the most heated phone calls we ever took not phone calls subjects was two um, uh, very tall old ladies we asked for, mm. uh, we did a parade of them in the end very tall old ladies and I'm talking about six foot three six foot four the old girls were in there, well, into their 80s, which is something you don't see. No. But I may have been an idle moment, and I'm not trying to light any blue touch paper. I don't think, in this age when gender is the hot topic, I wouldn't like to go out with a girl who's got bigger feet than me. At what point in the dating would it come up? Well, if, when you take your shoes off as you get in, you see her plates are bigger than <laughs> yours. To me, it's a Seinfeldy kind of thing. I just think... I mean, I don't think it's unsexy, but I just don't... It's, yeah, I, OK, that's your line. Because you can share shoes then, and I don't even equal shoes. I don't know where it leaves us. Don't get me wrong, this is not a, this is not a, a, a fetish or anything. It's just, uh, you know, the old olive oil plates. And I'm, talk, I'm not talking... A, a fella can have little feet, that's fine. Uh, if, if a fella takes, let's say, size four, that's fine. But uh, if, if you're a good size nine and, and you're going out with someone... Because you know Claire, our producer at the BBC mm. Radio Five, and now Claire's just rolled her eyes. Said, "Oh, I thought how long it'd be." She was, you know, she's a tall drink of water, Claire. She is. And I remember doing this on air, and she was giving me the hundred yard stare. <laughs> it turns out we've got exactly the same size feet, so we would have been yeah, all right. You could but she, she, if she was a size eleven, then then we're done. But that, that's that's for another time. Don't drag me into conversations about people's feet. Uh, perhaps give us something from over there, and we'll continue. Uh, inadvertent theft from Richard. Yeah. Waiting for a bus in pre-contactless days. It was raining, and I had a five. The bus driver pulled up, took one look at the note and said he wouldn't accept it. Luckily, there was a Boots opposite the bus stop and I legged it into the store, grabbed a cheese sandwich to get some change. As the bus was still waiting, I dashed back out and only realised what I'd done when I presented the bemused driver with a fiver again. But this time, the proud owner of a stolen cheese sandwich as well. <laughs> Gone in there, picked it up and got out again. <laughs> get the change. I've um, stolen from foils, I'm not proud oh, to say it. No. Inadvertent. No. Inadvertent. You know, Go when you, you take a book, my dad, <laughs> my dad was a tremendous socialist, read Fred, but he didn't mind 
buying books from the library. Always, I bought it. That meant you bought that meant to go buy. This is great, this book. You don't have to take it back. I bought it, bro. But, but he figured that uh, uh, that he'd, he'd contributed to the library, but I inadvertently stole a book from the foils, but that's another time. Give me the skunk eye now and see that. Here's something I want to bring you. Uh, well, two things, actually. How about this? For long-time listeners of the show... Uh, Here's something just to to, to, to to warm the seas of your age. Yeah, no, this is all uh, what's in down. Here we go. How about this? Here's one from the... Uh, oh, no, no, it's all gone off. <laughs> we just turned I it off. Uh, OK, on? hang on, back on again. No, now you've turned it off entirely. Could, could you send one of the uh, 18, 19-year-olds in here to get this back on the screen? Because uh, in, the, in the meantime, I'll tell you uh, how this works. Uh, in the world turned upside down uh, today, I want to tell you about part of America. It's gone off the, off the little screen. Uh, I pushed it, but no, no, that's it. No, it's, it's OK, we're 47% charged. Not, 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 not the iPad, I'm talking about me and Peps. Thank you very much right. indeed. Uh, I'm going to bring you something that'll uh, warm the seas of your mm. age, the cockles of your heart. Good How about this? We haven't heard this for a very, very long time. Danny Baker show, radiating out across the airways. Come the sunshine or the rain, come aboard the Danny train. We'll kick our slippers off and throw our cares away. What better thing to do than have a jolly jape or two? Don't touch that dial, there's nowhere else to go. Come and join a happy session, wave ta-ta to the recession. On the Danny Baker Show. Take it away, Danny. Always do, Wisby. Oh, oh, man alive. How about that, eh? How about that? Sandwich, Our man. dear friend Wisby uh, <laughs> bringing us that. But that leads us on to uh, another piece of any old business. Mm-hmm. And we are, by the way, going to do this saps thing. That's not going to wither, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to wither on the vine. Uh, I've got a list. We, 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 on we, the back we, of an old script. <laughs> one of the subheadings on the show is... Uh, Saps rising for the treehouse, and we've already uh, got one honorary sap. We're going to have T-shirts made and everything. But I now want to take you to uh, a wonderful place. Uh, I hope the show does that anyway. But uh, this is the part of America that's still ours, and in a way, oh, yes, it's, okay. it's, where, it's where the actual show should live. So here we go. Uh, let's try this. Don't change the name of the show no, let's now. Try no, this. One let's, try this. let's try this. Uh, <clears throat> In Hawaii, right? Oh, okay. I've been to Hawaii. I have not. Nutty place, great place, fantastic place. Only 13 letters in their alphabet. Uh, That's why it's Hawaii Kiki, Hainauma, Hawaii. And it's the easiest language in the world to speak because you literally pronounce every letter. Uh, Oh, okay. Hawaii. Hawaii. It's A-E at the end as well. You do both the I's. It's a wonderful place, but in uh, 1876... One of the Hawaiian islands was sold to a Scotswoman called Eliz- Eliza Sinclair. She was looking for somewhere to uh, uh, ranch to build and, and do farming. And she went to Hawaii to look at property. She met the king of Hawaii, because Hawaii used to have a king. Oh. And uh, he liked her. And he sold her one of the Hawaiian islands, the island of Nihi Ahu. Right? Okay. Nihi Ahu. What year was this again? 1876. Okay. Uh, she bought it. Private had a thousand Hawaiians living on it at the time. Now that people might say, well, that's not fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but listen how it turns out. They still own it, right? The family still own it today. Uh, Keith and Bruce Robinson, her direct descendants, still own it. It's still got about a thousand uh, Hawaiians living there. But here's the thing: the rest of the Hawaiian Islands, of course, are now subsumed into America. Mm. Less than 800 people speak Hawaiian anymore. Okay, that's all. 
Uh, however, on that island, where you're not allowed to go, everyone speaks Hawaiian. Oh, Hawaiian culture, Hawaiian culture is still, you're not allowed to go there. They can leave. They bought a helicopter a few years ago so they can go. Yes, they did, so they can go to other places and hospitals. There is no traffic. There is no police force. Oh. There is no crime. It's a uh, little... They, Earn some money by allowing these days uh, people to go for a day. You're not allowed to stay any later and you have to get a boat out of there again. You're not allowed to visit any of the villages. In schools, they just teach the Hawaiian language, the Hawaiian customs. From the outside, no buildings are visible. It still looks like this wonderful island with the palm trees swaying and it's still owned by the same family. And the only part of Hawaii that still is like Hawaii is the wonderful island of Nihi. Ahu, and it's privately owned by a Scots family and technically part of the UK still. And I've never heard of this before. I was reading about it last night, and it just said it's literally no crime. There's no prisons. They never have had a crime. And they live there in absolute... They can leave any time they want. They go over to New York, come back. But you're not allowed to go there. They don't have people go there because... They don't want. They literally don't want the measles and stuff. So and that's out there. And so that's when we out there. when we get our little map of where people are listening uh-huh. all over the world eventually, yeah. I will not rest until someone in Nihiahu. They better get TV. They get, they got, listens to us. But they, they uh, and that reminds me. A long time ago, we did used to have our own island where we asked fifty listeners to join us because if we're living the dream, that's all anyone wants. Anyone who's just heard about Nihiahu just thinks, yeah, yeah. I'll spend my 70 summers there. But we did do that on here, and I'm sorry to bombard you with uh, nostalgic jingles this morning. But the, uh, the the island that we had, and if you want to get in touch to remind us what you are on the island, uh, had its own national anthem. And it was Just done by a, a listener, Andrew, and here it is. This is the island anthem, and we dedicate this this morning to all those Hawaiians over there on Ni... By the way, you can't own property on the island either. It's all owned by this family. Oh, OK. However... You can live there rent free. There is no. They live. Everyone. Are you just making. No, this up I'm not. Now? People you live there. This. People live live there rent free. Uh, you can't own it because technically it's a private. But they live there rent free, and there is no crime, and nobody visits them. But you're allowed to go anywhere you want and come back again. Uh, and it's over there, and it's part of the Hawaiian Islands. And so to that we dedicate the show's own island anthem. Here we go. back everyone welcome back how about that and we dedicate it to that hawaiian island i believe we've got somebody tugging our coat on the phone got another dave hey dave hi dan how are you couldn't be better dave uh, dave have you ever heard of nihiahu i can't say i have uh, no. it's, it's an island uh, in hawaii 
privately owned, no crime, no police force, uh, no rent. You can live there rent-free, but unfortunately, you've got to be one of the uh, natives of the island. And that, if we do nothing else on this show, and believe me, we won't, uh, we're going to try and get ourselves a little berth over there. Uh, what are you calling us for, Dave? What are you calling us for? Hey. I, I wanted to talk to you about parrots saying things that you didn't expect. This is extraordinarily good of you. Uh, we heard on the first show, mm. some say the demo, some say the pilot, uh, the, uh, uh, about a parrot whose last words were, Pep. Thank you. It said thank you with its dying breath, and it never said that before. It looked at its owners and said thank you. So you've got to go some way to beat that, Dave. Off you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, a, a few years ago, a friend of my dad, he had a parrot called Sonny. Oh. It, it was an, an African blue, um, wow. so it lived in it lived in their large conservatory, and it would greet anyone who entered with one of its various catchphrases. Uh, they usually related to the weather or a request for a snack, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So, over the years, it picked up one or two further phrases. For example, it would shout at the dog, "Get off the couch," which <laughs> I think it had it had obviously picked up from the family. <laughs> so, if that call ended there, Dave, that's plenty. A parrot that tells the dog to get, call, yeah. <laughs> get off the couch. Yeah. So, so one day there was a car crash outside the house, oh. and uh, two police officers came in to ask if anyone had seen the accident, anyone had witnessed anything. So, as the first uniformed officer entered the conservatory, uh, Sonny immediately began shouting, I am a stolen parrot. Dial 999. No! I am a stolen parrot. Dial 999. It's never in your life. It, 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 it suddenly played a practical... It pranked its family. I can't buy it, Dave. How... What? What? Well, well, we, yeah, as soon as it saw the, as soon as it saw the uniform, this is the thing no. that came out with. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'll give this. 70% credence, and don't think I'm being strong here. The last thing you want is somebody who says, well, thanks for your call, and then rolls their eyes. Yeah. I, of course my doors are open. I want to believe this. I want to believe a parrot says, yeah, we'll have some fun here, to the dog on the sofa. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and, and it said, I am a stolen parrot. Nine. I am a stolen stolen parrot dial 999. Nine. I'm going to stop our music one minute, second. I want you to say that. Uh, cleanly, so we can have it uh, and, and record this. Oh, we are recording, aren't we? Uh, so <laughs> record this like, like Peps and I are just talking through a rolled up newspaper. Um, you say that, and I'm going to use it a lot over the years, that phrase. Okay. So uh, okay. uh, I'll go quiet, count three, two, one in your own head, and then say what the parrot said again. I am a stolen parrot. Dial 999. Beautifully. Put. I am a stolen parrot to dial 999. There were some doubts that we, we could get this show off the ground. Off the ground, we'll be in space before Richard Branson with this kind of stuff. What was the upshot of the parrot saying, I am a stolen parrot, dial 999? The, the, as you can imagine, it's a slightly awkward moment. Yeah. So uh, the first officer, or the, the, the younger officer, looked at the more senior colleague for guidance. Mm-hmm. And. Um, I think he, he he asked a couple of questions about how long have you had the parrot and, you know, would, would your, your vet would vouch for this, the police, the police followed up. You can't get them round your house if you've had your jewellery stolen. <laughs> he starts, yeah, yeah. He's, well, he's, he's shining in the bright light in his eyes because the parrot's suddenly playing a gag. I suppose I, I, so. I, I, think, I think he then considered the paperwork involved in any kind of avian-related felony. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he, he, he said, well, hang on, one more question, sir. Would you mind if I took a video of this for the lads down the street? 
fish. <laughs> <laughs> There's well, video out there. Bless you. Thank you very much indeed, my friend. Uh, and, uh, like Barry Cryer, any parrot stories are always welcome. Uh, <laughs> the way it works, if you get in touch, uh, Phil, who's uh, producing the show, he'll ring you back when we're doing it. Uh, and I don't think you even pay for the call. Everyone's shaking their heads in there, but we'll get around that. We will do that. Uh, I remind you, of course, we are um, going to start crowdfunding soon. Although it would be good to get a ticket out to Hawaii, wouldn't it? But we're going to try and buy a uh, song for the show. It's yes, Bernie. of course. Uh, by Bernie Winters. That's going to be the show's own song. Uh, and, and before I leave this business of this shoe shop that opened first place selling left and right shoes, it just floated into my head while we were doing that. Uh, there is no... You believe in evolution, right? Yes. You're looking off into the middle distance <laughs> as you say that. You, you, I always feel like it's a trap. You're looking for loopholes, Pep, and I don't believe they exist. Um, uh, like Katie, I think I might be Jesus. <laughs> there's two things I always say against it. Uh, not that I'm a creationist. Let me put that another way. I'm a creationist until somebody can answer me these two. Why has no animal evolved a wheel? OK. First, I'm not giving you that as a... But as I say, just saying that no animal has a wheel... And Maybe yet, if we hadn't invented them, we would have done. Yeah, but we... Nature would have created it itself. Well, but it didn't nature have because we made them. Nature's not looking at us and saying, oh, we got there first. But it's, we're not, you know, we're not Captain Scott looking at Amundsen's flag. We are... Uh, we are. Um, no, nature would do that. Okay. Make a lot of things a lot easier. An animal with a wheel or a few wheels. But anyway, we don't know that. But no animal has an odd number of legs. I'm trying to best, no, they best don't. you on that. No, they don't. You are, they don't. I, right. As far as I know, there is no one-legged animal, uh, and uh, uh, a one-legged animal. is <laughs> very funny as well. But there's no, there's no uh, odd number of legs on an animal. So this is just doubt we cast upon evolution week in week out on John Mayall's birthday. John Mayall's 86. Is older than Frank Ifield. There's one for the teenagers. You remember Frank Ifield? I, I remember Frank Ifield. John Mayall. He remembers you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, give us something over there, Pat. Um, this is uh, this is from uh, Simon, who mm-hmm. again has made up his own topic because we had a um, an email earlier in the week from someone who you mentioned his name on air, and it was a different person with the same name. All right. So, Peps Candyman, you made a brief mention of a chap called Joe Thomas who'd heard his name on the radio, mm. and I had a similar, far more productive version of the same. Thing. I was at a whiskey show one Friday afternoon several years ago and had arrived early with my brother in law to try a variety of whiskies with a view to buying one or two. And we all had name badges. Mm-hmm. Mine, quite correctly, Simon Berry. As we arrived early, the young woman said a tasting session was run that we'd normally have to pay for, but we could join it for free. We took the last available table right at the front, and the bloke running the set tasting session looked at us, did a double take at my name, nodded to me, and proceeded to run through the samples in front of us. He was all very pleasant, but as we were starting to leave, he tapped me on the arm and said he had something special for us, just me and my brother-in-law. He then, over the course of 45 minutes, plied us with an increasingly old and rare selection of fabulous malt whiskies, the very finest that Scotland had to offer. Some were several thousand pounds a bottle. No pressure to buy, nor any indication they would be for sale. 
As we left, he shook our hands and said he'd look forward to seeing me again in the office on Monday morning, when he could best decide how to market these rare and ancient specimens. Turned out he'd mistaken me for Simon Berry, the chairman of Berry Brothers and Rudd, <laughs> the London wine and spirit merchants that have been going since the late 17th century. A splendid afternoon. He obviously held his own in there. And what do you what? think about that? Very Moorish. Um, PT. Quite much for PT. <laughs> Everyone knows you say PT. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, no. I've got a terrible thirst on me all of a sudden. Uh, this, let's do this one. Here we are. Okay. This is uh, from our friend Simon. Uh, scaring yourself silly. Make sure I didn't miss out any other business. Hold on. One minute. No, no, I hope none of this gets edited out because this is all... This is what the show is in doing that. Uh, Oh, yes, uh, uh, John Mason, 1858, invented the pepper shaker. Ah, thank you, thank ah, you. Uh, it's sub, another subheading for the show. Uh, yeah, he invented the uh, pepper shaker. John Mason, younger, older than Frank Ifield. So this is from Simon, skipper of the cricket team, relegated to the Phantom League. Good day to you. Locking the door of the music shop I used to work in, the haunted music shop I used oh. to work in, I created a backdraft causing one of the cellophane piano covers to float downwards towards my face, akin to a Dementor from Harry Potter. <laughs> my tirade of terrified abuse towards this spectre, whilst I was typically Hollywood-style fumbling with the keys, was so fierce I managed to stop the fight going on outside the pub across the road. <laughs> I apologised to the brawlers. Sorry, fellas, I said, as they both looked round blooded. I thought I saw a ghost. They acknowledged me and started fighting again. <laughs> so, Wobbler onto his face. One of the piano covers. Uh, it's one of the cellophane piano covers in the haunted <laughs> music shop. Went up in the air because of the backdraft created. But and I'm, yes, I can believe that. I don't want to do this <laughs> to all race. of them. One more quick one there, Peps. What you got there? Uh, or any other business? Give us any other business. Well, I'm just it's just a very quick one because Dave and Laurie are are oh are, the great uh, participants Dave and of old. They're now in Florida. The originals. And it's just a quick one. It's 16 years since we moved here. My accent has pretty much remained the same. But my youngest child enjoys ranch sauce with burgers and chicken etc. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If I'm at a restaurant particularly a drive through and they ask do you want any sauce and I say ranch I get, I'm sorry, what did you say as a response no matter how many times I say it I have to gird my loins, take a breath and say in a ridiculous faux accent ranch <laughs> the family enjoys it every time without fail. Laurie and Dave, one of the earliest correspondents and I hope as we uh, bowl on down this hill that we will gather many new Laurie and Daves as we go we even got an email from Keefy Baby Baby but we'll get round to that next time. Uh, we're virtually done now. There is, there is this. Not that, no, not that. This, this one. How about this? Always do, Wisby. I Just always for us. do. Just for us. Oh. And that shows you this uh, being formed like a pat of butter between two paddles. 
Louise Pepper and I are here twice a week with you. Uh, anything you've heard on the show, follow my Twitter feed or the show's Twitter feed, which yeah. is what there, Pepper. I was going to say, we have Twitter is at the Treehouse Pod. Email is at the Treehouse at something else.com. Or you can ring us and leave us a message 0207 250 5688. Welcome to the Treehouse, Just then. Yeah, okay. Uh, remind me in future to keep punching that like a bag. Uh, so thank you very much indeed, everybody. Thanks for all the correspondence. Nothing gets wasted. All the subjects get uh, used and reused. Thanks very much indeed to Louise Pepper, Phil Wilding through the glass there, the people at Something Else for giving us a home. But as always, chiefly Take yourselves. It Take it away there, Wisby. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.